From COK Studios in Steve Inskeep's Igloo, this is Consider Our Knowledge. I'm Connor Bentley. And I'm Dinah Jones-Mallow. On today's show, we'll consider a comprehensive red carpet preview of the 95th Academy Awards coming up this Sunday. We'll also consider some exciting new reading material with our COK librarian, Lynn Ruffle, in our Book Look segment. And we'll consider who cooked fish in the break room microwave and stunk it up. I think it was Cordell. Mm -hmm. Stay with us. Support for Consider Our Knowledge comes from ZoomTripTravelBot.com, the top-rated travel website where you can pick your price as long as it's above $1,000 and to a very limited number of destinations with tons of blackout dates. ZoomTripTravelBot.com. Tell them Peppo, the vacationing dwarf, sent you. And the Foundation for Pubic Broadcasting. Pubic, not public. Pubes. This is Consider Our Knowledge. I'm Connor Bentley. And I'm Dinah Jones-Mallow. The 95th Academy Awards are this coming Sunday with films ranging from the arty dramedy The Banshees of Inishirin to major blockbusters like Avatar and Elvis, all hoping to take home the top prize of Best Picture. Comedian and late-night talk show host Jimmy Kimmel will be hosting the show for the third time, while the acting categories have a number of first-timers. With 16 first-time Oscar nominees across the four acting categories, this year marked the most first-time nominees in Oscar history. That's exciting. Indeed it is, Connor. That's why we're dedicating a large part of our show this week to getting you ready for the Oscars. To kick off COK's Oscar coverage, we want to talk about the nominated films and performances. So we're being joined in the studio by our entertainment reporter and film reviewer, Fritz Hicks, and documentary filmmaker and author, Neil Thanadier. Fritz, Neil, welcome back to COK. Hi there. Greetings. So let's start with the best picture category. The 10 nominated films are All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar The Way of Water, The Banshees of Inishirin, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. Quite the range of films this year. Yes, yes. I am very excited about this diverse group of films, even though my favorite film of the year wasn't nominated for Best Picture. What was that? Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely adorable. Well, it is nominated for Best Animated Feature, though. Yes, yes, but I think it deserved to be picked for the main category as well. I also wish there was a category for best performance by a shell, because Marcel would win in a walk, but I, I suppose that's just me being a silly billy. Neil, what are your thoughts on the Best Picture nominees? Fritz is correct. The diversity in the Best Picture category is exceptional. Even though I don't know if James Cameron's Blue Meanies deserves to be in the same group with an artistic masterpiece like Tar. I will say that I was pleased to see smaller films like Tar and Triangle of Sadness being recognized. I have long been a fan of Swedish director Ruben Ustland. While I primarily enjoy documentaries, as well you know, I have a soft spot for quirky Scandinavian black comedies. My personal favorite being Fall Curve at Dusk. Cool. So we know which films you guys liked best. So which ones do you think will win? My money's on everything, everywhere, all at once. It cleaned up at the Golden Globes and has some of the best performances of the year by non-shells. I think that it will win Best Picture and definitely Best Actress for Michelle Yeoh. 
While I agree that Michelle Yeoh is the odds-on favorite for Best Actress, I disagree with my colleague on Best Picture. I think that the likely winner will be The Fablemans, which also won two Golden Globes for Best Picture and Director. All right, let's get your picks for the other big awards, if you don't mind. Actually, I do. I was told that we'd be spending a part of the segment on the foreign and documentary categories. I know Fritz likes the typical Hollywood pablum, but as an artist, I do not. Now, 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 all art is subjective, Neil. Besides, I, I saw you tear up a few times when we went to see Marcel the Shell. I did. Not. And I also think I saw you give a windmill high five to that guy in the aviator shades after we got out of Top Gun Maverick. I, I, I think you might be confusing that with the stunningly haunting documentary from Ukraine, A House Made of Splinters. It's about the lives of orphans. Wait, wait, wait. You gave a guy a windmill high five after a Ukrainian movie about orphans in a war-torn country. Uh, uh, yes, it was very moving. We were happy for those wretched little orphans. I kind of feel like one of you isn't telling the truth. Oh, fine. Top Gun was fun, and I felt the need for speed, okay? Yes, yes, it was fun! (laughs) My picks for the acting awards are Colin Farrell, Michelle Yeoh, Judd Hirsch, And Jamie Lee Curtis. Does that make you happy? Yes, it does. Fritz? I'll agree with Neil on Farrell and Yo, but I think Brendan Gleeson and Angela Bassett will win the supporting categories. Now can we dissect the lovely documentary All That Breathes? It's an intricately layered portrait about a fraternal relationship bonded by purpose as it follows siblings Mohammed Saad and Nadim Shahzad who rescue and treat injured birds in New Delhi. Sounds super. Sorry, guys, that's all the time we have. But for more of Fritz's Oscar picks and reviews, visit his website, On the Fritz. And for more from Neil, pick up his new book, Surefire Oscar Winners, a study of documentaries about the Holocaust. Now we turn to Oscar fashions. Our own Marta Margolis is out in Hollywood to talk to our good friend, celebrity stylist and designer, Peter Grigio, who is prepping some red-hot red carpet fashions. Peter, thank you for taking time out of your busy Oscar week schedule to talk with us today. Oh, it's crazy town, but I've always got five minutes for you, Marta. A few weeks ago, you said on your podcast, Decanted, that the hot spring fashion item was going to be shortalls. Will we see some on the Oscar wet carpet? Um, does Elton John need the crust cut off his grilled cheese? I, I don't know. Yes, the answer is yes. <laughs> see those sequin shortalls over there? Those will be worn by none other than Kate Winslet. I tried to get some on Angela Bassett, but she thought they made her look too hippie. I see. Who else did you style for these Academy Awards? Well, my personal clothing line, Flounce, has taken off so much that I actually had to turn some people down, which I never do. But that's the price of fame, I suppose. I still managed to style so many big names. I did all the Banshees of Inner Sharon, most of the Fablemans, and uh, quite a few of the women talking. How exciting. Right? <sighs> I also did Anna de Amis, Seth Rogen, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, 
Tom Hanks, but not Rita Wilson. We're fighting right now about the war in Ukraine. I did a gorgeous belted white jumpsuit for Austin Butler because he just won't stop the whole Elvis thing. And it's fine because I knew him before. And to be honest, he's a real snooze. I styled Kate Blanchett's conducting teacher Midge, Tom Cruise's stunt double, who is in fact Tom Cruise. And I did a very sexy beige trench coat full of gadgets for Ki Hoi Kwan. Because Goonies never say die. No, they don't. He's bringing Chunk as his date because Corey Feldman is uninsurable. Besides short dolls, what other kind of looks will we be seeing? Oh, Mata, I, I don't want to give too much away, but I am such a little gossip. Oh, okay, I'll give you the scoop. You'll see chokers, bowling shoes, edible fascinators, medieval jerkins, puka shell necklaces, swim caps, the super flimsy flip-flops that they give you at the nail salon, tons and tons of plaid. And the it fabric for the majority of the gowns this year is terry cloth. That sounds very intriguing. Uh-oh, I've got to go. Data's trench coat just punched Chris Rock in the face. Kisses! That was celebrity stylist Peter Guigio. For more Oscar coverage, visit considerourknowledge.com. Now it's time for our Around the Dial segment, where we check in on some of our other favorite public radio shows and podcasts. Today we'll hear clips from a new cooking podcast from outlaw biker turned chef Ricky the Rascal, and a new installment of the radio adaptation of our own Lynn Ruffles' Red Sunset Saga. Welcome back to Making Num Nums with me, Chef Ricky the Rascal. On today's show, I'm telling you all about how to make my special gorp that I used to make for my biker gang, the Sons of Purgatory, when we'd go on long rides. You can't get through a long ride without a nice high-protein snack like this, believe me. Now, you might be asking how a man who runs his own organic farm-to-table bistro in the heart of hemp country can get his start as the snack guy for an outlaw biker gang. And the answer is, none of your goddamn business. Joining me now in the kitchen is my sous chef, Termite, who was also in the Sons of Purgatory and came to join me after he got out of jail. Yeah, I was in the joint for Robin and Nickel Arcade with our buddies Greasy Mike and Sammy the Snitch. Sorry, Sammy snitched on you. Yeah, I guess that wasn't one of them ironic nicknames. Nope. So we're making up. Damn straight. Did you toast the oats and coconut? I sure did, boss. Just like you like it. Now, the key to making this gorp is to make sure to use lots of my secret ingredients. Oh, yeah. Folks love that secret ingredient, boss. The secret ingredient is meth. Yeah, I'm just kidding. It's nutmeg. Oh, good one, boss. And now while I start tossing the oats and coconut with the dried fruits and nuts, Termite will start prepping the half-pint mason jars that the gorp will go in. Ah, uh, do you want me to get the raffia ribbon from the craft closet, boss? You bet your ass I do. We now return to the fantastic world of the Red Sunset Saga with part four of The Grave Digger's Passion. I'm your host and author, Lynn Ruffel. When we last left Lydia, she had escaped certain doom in Sexylvania via a train with the amulet she had stolen from Hans, the sinister yet tender werewolf. Thank God the amulet is safe. Pardon me, miss, but is that the amulet of rapture? What are you talking about? That is the amulet of rapture, and you are Lydia Fizzlebottom. 
How do you know that? Because I was hired by Count Damien Schwanzticker to look after you and make sure you got safely across the border. This train is crawling with sinister creatures like your friend Hans, who will stop at nothing to get that amulet. Allow me to introduce myself. I am Dr. Horst von Hornsling, a werewolf hunter and demon slayer. Oh, Damien spoke of you. Why would you work for a vampire? The same reason you would risk your life for him. Because he's so hot? Oh my god, so hot. Oof. Now be careful not to show that amulet to anyone. Excuse me, I have to go tinkle, so don't talk to anyone until I get back. Yes, Dr. Van Hornsling. Hello, Lydia. You should not have run away. Hans, how did you get on this train? I have a frequent rider pass. Now, give me the amulet. Stop right there, Woof! Don't hurt him. I need him to tell me where he put Horatio's body. Now we turn to the world of books. Our resident librarian, Lynn Ruffle, joins us in a new installment of our book look series. Good to have you here, Lynn. Good to see you, Connor. Now, Lynn, we just heard some of your Red Sunset Saga radio drama, and I have to say it's very good. That must be exciting for you to hear your work like that. It is, Connor. I'm working with some very talented people to bring my books to life. Did you know that Hans is being played by Michael Fassbender's cousin Drew? He's very good. He is. I was hoping to have them picked up by Audible or Spotify, but instead we're streaming them via a little-known Hungarian service called Bookenspiel. You know how they love me and my books in Hungary, Connor. Oh, I do. So what books besides your own do you want to tell our listeners about? Well, I've been so busy adapting my books into sexually charged suspenseful radio plays that I've not had as much time for books as usual. But I have read a couple things lately that people should definitely seek out. First is the new book by Salman Rushdie called Victory City. Inspired by the real-life history of Vijayanagar, a once-flourishing medieval Hindu kingdom in South India, Rushdie reimagines its collapse as a feminist fable about the lust for power and the power of stories. Wow, it sounds interesting. It is. I read it on my flight back from Hungary last week. It's all the more impressive because weeks before he was attacked on stage at the Chautauqua Festival on August 12th, 2022, he finished and submitted the final edits of the book. He's one of my favorite authors, so I'm glad he's doing well and was able to finish such a compelling novel. I give it a solid A-. Great. What else have you read? I also had time on my flight to read a very compelling short story about a man who boards an airplane with his young son, not knowing what to expect. There is some kind of accident that forces the plane to depressurize, and they have to put on their oxygen masks. But the man has to put his on first, before he helps his son. Then the plane makes an unexpected landing in the water. Thankfully, both the man and his son have flotation devices that they have to use to stay afloat until help can arrive. The flight attendants are the real heroes as they direct the man, his son, and the rest of the plane to the appropriate exits. It was a real page-turner, Connor. I read it so fast that I actually had time to read it twice. That sounds an awful lot like the instructions they put in that card in the seatbacks, Lynn. 
No, it's not. Really? Lynn. Fine. It was the seat back instruction pamphlet. I read the Rushdie book and then I fell asleep. This radio drama thing is really eating up my reading time, Connor. I hope things calm down once I'm done adapting The Vampire's Lament. I hope so, too. I miss my book time so much. I did read one more thing on the plane, though. It's a stunning drama called Air Sickness Bag. Well, I think that's probably enough for now. Okay. I'll try to read more real books for next time. I promise. Thanks for coming by, Lynn. You're welcome. That was Book Look with Lynn Ruffle. That's all for this episode of Consider Our Knowledge. If you'd like more from the best-looking news team in public radio, visit considerourknowledge.com for more news and stories. You can also follow us on Facebook and on Instagram. You can subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and on Spotify. The COK team includes Emily Clausen, Marianne Wetzel, Natalie Thorpe, Jeremiah Knight, Hobart Willis, and Spencer Cannon. Our intern is Ryan Shattuck. Thanks for listening. I'm Connor Bentley. Don't hurt him. I need him to tell me where he put the bot. Damn it. <laughs> 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 Well, the bot damn it. <laughs> the bot damn, damn it. it. Damn it.